0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: After the final buzzer sounds, we're here to wrap it up. Why not? Here's Steph Curry! It's time for Warriors Wrap-Up on 957. Warriors Wrap-Up is presented by Realtor.com.
2: Home John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason inside Chase Center where the Warriors were beaten tonight by the Dallas Mavericks, 124-97 to a game. The Mavs led by as many as 30, and it was not a pretty season series for the Dubs, uh, and they can probably consider themselves fortunate, Whitey Gleason, that uh, this is one of the four teams in the Western Conference they actually only play three times mm-hmm. as opposed to four times. I believe Memphis and Denver are two of the others. But you look at this three game season series between these two teams, and the Mavs are a team making a jump, uh, an ascent from uh, being a non playoff team into being a, a playoff team this season. And the Warriors, because of all of these injuries uh, and the state of their roster, are, have plummeted all the way, not only now with the loss tonight, the ninth in a row to the bottom of the Western Conference, but Atlanta uh, beat. The Phoenix Suns tonight uh, in Atlanta, so the Warriors actually are back down to thirtieth uh, in terms of uh, overall record in the NBA. Uh, but man, you look at the matchups this season, Whitey: one forty-two to ninety-four, one forty-one to one twenty-one a couple of weeks ago here in this building, and tonight one twenty-four to ninety-seven. Just uh, a bad matchup for the Warriors against this Mavs team.
1: Yeah, the Mavs barely broke a sweat tonight. They shot 51% from the floor. They only committed eight turnovers, suggesting that, the again, the Warriors didn't put much defensive pressure on them, although they do a good job of taking care of the ball typically. Uh, 15 offensive rebounds for the Mavericks tonight. That said, Steve Kerr said uh, pregame when he was asked what he wanted to see, said he wanted to see the Warriors hold the Mavericks under 140 points. So, Eh, he got his wish, right? And tonight was about the young Warrior players. Handful of them had their moments. Smiley Geach had his moments tonight. Tough loss uh, in a tough season. Uh, that said, Poole and uh, Smiley Geach. And even Eric Paschal. And Eric Paschal had uh, some bright spots, uh, some uh, some bright moments tonight.
2: 888 That's 888 957 9570. If you want to weigh in with your thoughts on this one, and Whitey, I know you've got uh, a question for the callers here uh, as we begin Warriors wrap up brought to you by Realtor.com, the home of
1: home sir. This year's about the future, right? For the Warriors, this year is more about the future than it is about wins this year. You've got a lot of young players, and the Warriors are hoping and planning that those players can become a part of the Warriors' uh, future. So if you're buying stock in any of these young players, if you could only buy stock in one young warrior right now, which one are you buying stock in? I know Spencer Dinwiddie is doing something very similar to that and uh, it's caused some consternation in league circles, but we're just having fun here. If you could buy stock in one young warrior player who are you buying stock in? Uh, Smiley Geach would be a popular answer, but that's, that's, that's still pretty iffy. I know he's—he's—you uh, know—he's had his moments here, but obviously Steve Kerr still doesn't quite trust him.
2: I'm, I'm liquidating all assets on my Smiley Geach stock. Are you? I bought Smiley Geach stock back in July. Did you and, really? And I'm actually buying more of it now. Wow. I, I am—I am liquidating other assets.
1: Because the price is a little higher now. It must have been very low when you well, bought a and bunch I still, of it. Th-
2: and I still think it's low because the rest of the world doesn't quite know what what type of player that he can be. I think he's going to be really good. Uh, and and offensively, he's so comfortable. He just He looks at times like he's a little bit lost and may not fully know what he's doing. But I think when he's got the ball in his hands, he actually... I think he had. there is a confidence to him of what he's going to try to accomplish, and he's pretty effective with some basic moves at just being able to get a shot off and or score, especially on the interior, and that was on display again in this game tonight.
1: Yeah, I can think of at least twice when they essentially ran plays for him tonight, and the Warriors made their, their little run there in the third quarter, such as it was, when he was on the floor, and he seemed to bring some energy. Now, there was an interesting moment there where he was called for a foul, and then Mike Brown brought him over and had some words of instruction for him defensively, and then Draymond also did uh, illustrating again, demonstrating how uh, much work he has to do at the defensive end. Tom Tolbert made a very interesting uh, observation, pointing out that Steve Kerr's very careful to keep Smiley Geach on the floor with some veterans so that he's got a lot of help defensively, but um, he ignites the fan base. Maybe that's too strong of a word. He excites the fan base, certainly. Tonight was kind of a, oh, my goodness, this is a little bit of a slog at times. But then when Smiley Geach came in, uh, everybody uh, was interested again, and he put on a little bit of a show. I, I thought
2: tonight was one of Jordan Poole's best games of the season uh, offensively. And I- I'm gonna- I would That's put why
1: it- I'm investing in Jordan Poole still. I,
2: I would put that game tonight. Maybe top two, uh, and, and there, there's a one specific reason.
1: Jordan Poole
2: looked like a confident shooter tonight, N- not in that he was going to take the shots that were there. He came into his NBA career looking like somebody that was, you know, very confident in his abilities, maybe a little too confident uh, in, in his abilities at this level, Whitey. But tonight was one of the first nights where it looked like Jordan Poole was expecting to make shots as opposed to, Hoping he makes shots or confident in taking the shot. Tonight he looked confident he was going to make the shots. And he knocked down three of seven from three point range. And it was a better effort uh, from two point range as well than we've seen uh, in the early going here. It looks like maybe he's broken through a little bit.
1: Looks like the time at Santa Cruz did help to restore his confidence. Uh, a little bit. There, were, I thought it was interesting tonight. There were a couple times where he took shots that missed badly, but then he responded. It that didn't deter him from taking and making uh, the next shot. He also had five assists tonight, uh, so he's showing that he's a better playmaker uh, than perhaps was expected. But definitely a very confident shooter uh, tonight, Jordan Poole. And then Pascal, you mentioned Pascal, sixteen points for uh, Pascal tonight.
2: And I think Pascal had a little bit of a ways to go to get back. You know, he started the year. And it was like, wow, who is this guy? He's what their is go-to his guy. ceiling? Yeah,
3: he's their and, best player right now,
2: and he really was for what a good maybe three or four weeks, uh, especially during that time until D'Angelo Russell came back from from the first injury that that he sustained uh, right there after Stephen Curry had had gotten hurt. So I, I think you know Pascal, though, he you want to see him get back closer to that kind of a level here in the second half of the season to where you're pretty confident in him getting a bucket and, and and you can see where he fits on next
1: year's team. You know what really stood out about him tonight? Two for two beyond the arc. And he's still working on that shot because it's still pretty flat. And you can see he still gets a little twisted there, and he needs to do a lot of work on the three-point shot. But he has done a lot of work, and uh, it's paying off. So I'm sure a lot of people investing in uh, Eric Pascal's stock as so, well. So
2: in the three ways that you can you know, look at an individual Warriors
1: game, right, uh, that
2: game on the night and versus the opponent and how they struggled and how they played well, that's one way. The other way is how does a game like tonight pertain toward the future? Uh, And I think uh, when you look at it, uh, those three players, the three rookies, they all did things tonight to where you could see where they could possibly fit in the future.
1: And uh, Spellman is not a rookie, but uh, he has been playing well, and he's a young player uh, on the rise for the Warriors, and they've got a role in mind for him next year. He didn't make any threes tonight, but he did score 10 points. So this is the first time in a handful of games that he has failed to make a three, right? Because, let's see, last six games, he was 15-24, but uh, Omari Spellman continuing to do some nice things as a starting center. Tonight, however, and as you say, it isn't about this particular game necessarily at all this year, but tonight was one of those nights where, going back again to the preseason, you could see, wow, the Warriors are just, um, they're a little undersized. Marjanovic literally scored a basket tonight. (laughs) He was, yeah, you didn't even jump. Well, and and I know he's monstrous, but he didn't even leave his feet well, and to I rebound think, and score. I think
2: the most alarming thing with that is how, and there have been other players that have been able to do this too, how much they've been able to do it when Willie Cauley-Stein has been on the court. Look
1: at Dwight Powell tonight, though, too.
2: Yeah, and I, I think, you know, it's one thing, okay, if you're going to play small, you're going to play Amari Spellman at, at center, or, or even, uh, you know, you're going to play um, – Smiley Geach at center some. I, you can see that. But Willie Colley-Stein is the one guy, well, maybe not in terms of girth, but in terms of height, you feel like he would better handle his own against some of the bigger players. And I think those players that, have, that are skilled and physical, he struggled with those players, I think, more than you would hope that he would struggle versus those players as somebody that you would project to be a starting center. Uh, on, a, on a team, you know, when, coming into this year, the Warriors viewed him as a starting center on a playoff team. And he's had trouble, I think enough trouble with a lot of those bigger, stronger and skilled players to where I think you have to wonder if if. Well can be that.
1: We've seen from him in the past, too. In the past, he's struggled. Before he even came to the Warriors, He struggled with that type of player. They don't have that type of body on the roster currently, though. So tonight, a couple times, he looked like he just had no idea how to stop Marjanovic. He looked to me like he was not so much frustrated as just exasperated, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. The Warriors finally started giving him a little bit of help, and they started doubling a little bit. Uh, Marjanovic, his uh, final numbers really didn't reflect... How dominant he was. He was six for 14, but I think he must have missed, what, at least three or four shots from two feet? Yeah. So he he should have been, uh, he should have had better numbers than that. And he had 11 rebounds. Um, But for the night, as I mentioned, Dallas with 15 rebounds. And uh, the Warriors really could use Marquise Chris back. And they're just. they're not big enough to really compete against a team like the Mavericks. And, of course, the Mavericks caused so many other problems besides uh, their size that this was uh, another mismatch
2: tonight. 888-957-9570, 888-957-9570. Warriors wrap-up brought to you by Realtor.com, the home of home search. It's John Dickinson, Whitey Gleason here inside Chase Center. Mavericks, they hand the Warriors their ninth consecutive defeat. Final score tonight, 124-97. Uh, as the Warriors will continue this three-game homestand with the Denver Nuggets in town on Thursday and the Orlando Magic here in San Francisco on Saturday. Let's go ahead and hear from the head coach of the Warriors, Steve Kerr, as he uh, met with the media downstairs here in the Bill King interview room at Chase Center.
4: Steve, you seemed kind of woozy coming off the floor. Did you get to talk to him, communicate with him at all uh, before we went?
0: Uh, yeah, the doctors were communicating with him, and then uh, I checked on him at halftime. He was in the uh, in the room with the doctors, and uh, they were taking him to the hospital. So, um, as Raymond said, they're they're with him now. They're um, checking everything out. We'll have a, a report later. I haven't heard anything since halftime.
4: What don't you like most in this nine-game losing streak?
0: I mean, losing, the losing part is the hardest part. I mean, you can pick apart the details and, you know, the defense tonight, um, we struggled to get stops, but, you know, we're also playing the number one offense in the league and they, they've they been a tough matchup for us this year. Um, I, I think um, what I don't like is just the feeling of things snow, snowballing on us a little bit. You know, uh, we've been competitive for the most part this year. And I think right now we're, um, you know, we're in a tailspin, and we've got to stop it. And the way to stop it is to really fight defensively, and um, play with a sense of desperation. And we've got to get to that. That's the only way we're going to get out of it. And uh, last couple of games, I haven't felt like we were very competitive. And uh, and that's what that's what we have to get to.
4: Stephen, know you think of the team first, but you know, you've been around winners for so long. How tough has it been? you knew you were dealt kind of a tough hand to begin with, with the, with the team. How tough has it been for you as a coach to be patient and say, okay, I'm looking ahead. This is kind of a season where we're going to build for the future. I mean, you were talking the other night about how losing stinks. I mean, it's just hard. It must be hard to, to live with that.
0: Yeah, but it'd be, it'd be pretty tough for me to complain about the hand I've been dealt. I've, you know, these, it's been a pretty good run and, uh, you know, it's an incredible organization and great place to live. And, um, Great people to be around, so a lot to be thankful for. And uh, it's a tough season, but this is, uh, this is how it works. This is how sports work, this is life. You just uh, got to get through the tough times, and you keep keep fighting, keep working, and, um, you know, with the idea that better, better times are ahead. So my job is to keep the guys uh, – keep their spirits up, uh, you know, try to keep uh, the goal – Clear um, little goals each day. Um, you know, see things in the games that we have to look at uh, and improve upon, and uh, just just soldier on.
4: See, what are you seeing from uh, from Jordan the last couple of games?
0: He just looks freer. He, he, you know, he uh, he had been pressing there for a while in the last couple of games. He he just looks like he did in the beginning of the season. Um, uh, just playing pretty loose and free and, um, you know, knocking down some shots. It look, looks like he's enjoying himself out there. So it's good to see uh, see the ball go in the hole for him a little bit. And uh, I think um, this is all part of the rookie season for anybody is the ups and downs, and uh, but he's, he's getting better.
4: Still planning for him to go down to Santa Cruz at some point?
0: Yeah, I'm sure at some point, but, um, you know, given where we are, uh, right now we're going to need him. You know, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what, what's going on with Jacob. Uh, we will get Damian Lee back uh, Thursday. So we'll just kind of play it by ear. There's a chance that we could even uh, keep Jordan here and send him to Santa Cruz for a game and then bring him back. Uh, we haven't decided how we're going to play it yet.
2: All right, so Steve Kerr following uh, the loss to the Mavs, updating the status of Jacob Evans. Uh, Also uh, happy with the play of Jordan Poole tonight and uh, explaining uh, just what's going on here coming up with Damian Lee, expected to be back uh, under contract for the remainder of the season on Thursday. But because of Jacob Evans being out potentially, and he was taken to the hospital being evaluated after taking the elbow to the the face there from uh, Dwight Powell, uh, probably not going to have Jacob Evans uh, on Thursday, so that would uh, leave Jordan Poole as uh, an option just in terms of, of depth. You might be gaining a guard, but you're also maybe losing a guard as well for a game.
1: Yeah, and as Steve Kirsch said, as far as the losing streak goes, Channeling his inner Tom Petty. Losing is the hardest part. What's the worst part of the losing streak? The losing part is the hardest part of this losing streak. Interesting, he says the last couple of games he hasn't felt that the Warriors have been very competitive. Tonight, it was apparent. We know that they have their issues, their compromise as it is, but they really missed Lee and Bowman, and Chris, right? You could really see how much they miss those guys.
2: Well, we've been talking about the, the, the lack of size, and, and Chris is somebody that I think even plays bigger than than his actual size. Uh, with time. that wingspan? Yeah, with the wingspan and just the athleticism. and So I think he plays bigger than he is, which is, is beneficial. And, and, look, this team is continues to struggle to score. I mean, so Damian Lee and having another shooter out there. This is another night where Alec Burks... You know, doesn't exactly shoot the ball well uh, in terms of. You know, field goal percentage. He's really
1: struggled over the last month or so. Yeah,
2: and on a night where D'Angelo Russell is 5 for 17, you you know, this would have been a game where you would have liked to have seen maybe if Damian Lee could have gone 6 for 10 and knocked down a couple of threes at the the very least.
1: I know much has been made of this, but I'll go over these numbers again. Uh, The Warriors, uh, since uh, starting with the loss to the Mavs, their three-point percentages, 46 against Dallas that first time, 44 against San Antonio, then down to 15%. Then the next game, 52%, then down to 19%, then 40%, then down to 21%. Sunday in Memphis, 50% tonight, down to 28%. So the up and down, the roller coaster uh, continues from the three-point
2: line. Yeah, that's going to be, uh, so they're going to be right back up there uh, oh, yeah. against Denver. Oh, yeah. Tell us how many they're going to nail. Uh, I'm going to say 14. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm going to say 14. I said 18 the other night, and they knocked down 17, yeah. right, yeah. Uh, in Memphis. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, it's just the mark of a team that struggles to shoot, and they're playing without one of their better three-point shooters in Damian Lee uh, tonight. And it was an off night for D'Angelo Russell. It was another off night for Alec Burks. Though the, the positives, and, and we did talk about this, the positives in terms of the three-point shooting tonight were Jordan Poole knocking down three for seven mm-hmm. and Eric Pascal. Knocking down uh, two of two. As I can't well. believe
1: you're not investing in Pascal. You're going smiley-geech, huh? I, I, I mean, Pascal That's was pretty risky. Pascal
2: was my original guy. And Pascal. And That's the
1: solid the, blue chip investment right now. The,
2: the two. The two are Pascal and, and Smiley-Geach, but I think I think Smiley-Geach actually even has the, the biggest upside, so you're going to get the most bang for your
1: buck. I think you could also invest in Bowman. I know he's not here right now, but I know a lot of people were pretty excited about the way his season started, so don't forget you can invest in Kai Bowman as well.
2: John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason, the Warriors dropped their ninth in a row. Mavs beat the Dubs 124-97. to uh, That loss coupled with the Hawks' victory, over Phoenix moves Golden State back into sole possession of the worst record in the NBA as the Warriors now are nine and thirty three through forty two games tonight, beginning the second half uh, of the schedule, just forty games to go uh, in this one Warriors now nine and thirty three eight at eight nine five seven nine five seven zero triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero Clay Thompson met with the media here at Chase Center at halftime, actually. He was scheduled to uh, appear and speak with everyone before the game, but he was running a little bit late, so they pushed it back to halftime. We're going to hear the best cuts from Clay coming back here. Uh, we also have the call of the game coming up as well. It's Warriors wrap-up, brought to you by Realtor.com, the home of home search on 95.7 The Game. Warriors wrap up continues on ninety five
1: seven the game.
2: John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason back inside Chase Center. We're having too much fun tonight. Too much on ninety five seven the game. The Warriors beaten tonight by the Mavs one twenty four to ninety seven. As the Warriors have lost nine consecutive games, Whitey. Uh, do you know the last time the Warriors had a nine game losing streak?
1: Um, I think the last time they lost 10 in a row was when the 2009-2010 season, but the last time they lost nine in a row, you got me at a disadvantage. It
2: it, it was during that, it was during that. Oh, okay. Yeah. All
1: right. During that point, the last
2: time the Warriors lost nine in a row, uh, 2009-10 season from January 23rd to February 8th. Hmm. Yeah. So nine straight games, uh exactly 10 years ago almost.
1: Okay, so we know that as of right now, the Warriors have the uh, the lowest winning percentage in the league, so let's say they ended up with the first pick, it, and you don't have to do this now, obviously. The playoffs don't start today, I checked, nor is the draft today, but if you had to make the first pick in the NBA draft right now, who are you taking? I would, or are you just trading I, I, are I you just out it. trading. I'm it? trading it. Yep, I'm
2: well, trading it. Right okay. now today, I'm trading it, and I'm and I'm even going to look to package it with D'Angelo De- Russell.
1: Okay, fair enough. But what if you did have to make it? What if there's no offer uh, that, that anyone will accept? Um, nobody's interested? Who's your Who's your pick? I, it would probably be James Wiseman. Okay. Yeah. Is that uh, – weren't you going to Anthony Edwards until yeah, fairly it, recently? Yeah,
2: it's, it's- – One of those two. I agree. But I think if you have the one, you probably need to take the big. Don't you
1: think Anthony Edwards maybe means a little more to the Hawks because of the whole Georgia factor? He may, although they feel they have some
2: guards there Mm -hmm. already that have been underwhelming to pair with Trey Young. Uh, But I, I think, look, if you think Anthony Edwards can be a future star, in addition to a player that could come in and contribute immediately, then he's the guy that you take. If you don't feel that way and you can't trade it, then to me you go with the guy that gives you the most positional certainty. And because you don't have a prototypical small forward, right, I would say that's the that, that's still the number one position of need for this Warriors team. That guy isn't out there at at number one then you go with Wiseman because Wiseman's the you know, he's the guy that you could plug in and, and put into your center rotation and help you and maybe develop into a dominant-type force at some point.
1: As we've said many times, and as anyone who cares knows already, you never know about a draft. I mean, maybe three, four, five years down the road, maybe then you know. And we always like to think we know about a draft even before it's held. That said, a lot of people looking at this draft feel that right now, there isn't even a clear number 1. Typically by now there's you have a pretty good idea who the first pick's going to be and this year it appears that there's less uh, I, conses, consensus, pardon me, than there typically is. And
2: I do think there will be some clarity that that will be gained between now and April, between now and June. I mean there there always is a lot more clarity as typically, time goes on.
1: Yeah, but the reason why there may not be is because you have for example Wiseman who's not playing, right? Yeah. You got Melo and you got Hampton playing in Australia. Where you don't have these guys aren't playing as many games as they typically would be playing between now and uh, the lottery. Yeah, it, it, so de- it's harder to have that certainty.
2: It definitely makes it trickier. Uh, I think the Warriors are in a spot where, look, if if they've again believe that they have they have identified somebody that's going to be an elite future star, you know, playing and growing and developing in their organization, then to me you you make the pick of that player. If you don't, then you look to trade down, or you look to package and try and get the best possible player that you can get. I think the Warriors are going to wind up trying to get a star. I and, agree and, with and, you. That and, appears uh, to. That's my. That that looks like that's their plan and, right and now. And maybe they're in a position where they they feel that there is somebody maybe picking six or eight or you know, trading down, maybe they feel there's somebody that's more in that 10 to 15 range that they could maybe pick around 8 that they believe could be every bit as good as somebody in the top 3.
1: But that they, pick obviously doesn't have the trade value as 1, 2, or 3 does.
2: Correct. Yeah. But, but I'm saying maybe the Warriors feel they could go no, down. No, I agree with you. I
1: understand. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you, you all point. the
2: way. Yeah. Uh, one of the big headlines tonight uh, was the fact that Clay Thompson met with the media and one of the few times that that he will this season until he comes back. And it probably will be the, the last time that he meets with the media, unless he comes back.
1: Wait, I thought he was the media now.
2: Uh, well, he yeah, depending upon the night, <laughs> Okay, depending upon the night, uh, Clay uh, meeting with the media at halftime in a session that was originally scheduled for before the game to discuss the fact that his Jersey is going to be retired by Washington state university. That ceremony to take place on Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday, January the 18th, during Washington State's game against Oregon State up in in Pullman, Washington. Uh, so Clay Thompson uh, spoke uh, with reporters. Let's go ahead and hear a couple of bites from that. Uh, and we'll start here with Clay talking about his rehab.
3: Well, it's going great. I mean, at least my suit suits are well tailored. It's fun to watch these guys battle. Obviously, I wish I'd be out wish I could be out there. It's been a long process. I mean, I haven't stopped working since the third day after Game 6 of the 2019 Finals. As long as you you might not see me a lot, but, oh, I'm working. I don't know what's going to come this season. I'd love to get out there. I appreciate the Warrior fans showing up every night in Chase. Just a testament to the fan base we have. And they know it's been a tough season, but they know the future's bright. So it's actually nice to be here. I haven't seen you guys in a long time. So you're welcome for me being here today. And, um... Uh, I just kind of miss the, the – I know these guys, are, it's a tough part of the season. Uh, it's very rare for me not to you know, be grinding through with them, but I'm trying to make sure this a type this type of injury never happens to me again. So I'll be very patient because I want to play at a high level till I'm in my late 30s. All
2: right, so Clay Thompson, a lot there. Vintage Clay, you're welcome for me being here today uh, and saying as well he wants to play into his late 30s. Uh, So he's not going to rush things. He's going to be very patient. I want to play into my late 30s when uh, addressing whether he'll play this season. So he ain't playing this season. Unsure,
1: but we'll see. Mm -hmm. I know Jim Barnett on uh, Warriors Live suggested to us, well, Jim just said, look, his opinion. He said, I hope he doesn't play. Why would he? I don't think he'll play this year. Who knows? I could see if Clay and I think you've suggested this, if Clay feels that, look, I just want to get a game or two in, uh, then maybe you give in, but otherwise, why in the world would you let Clay play this year?
2: Yeah, to me, it's all about knocking off the rustle, and that's why I was glad to have the opportunity to ask Jim Barnett, you know, why do you think that, you know, doesn't matter? And, and he said, hey, you go through that offseason and, and you get the extra time and everything when you go beyond a year, because uh, you'll get to June and then beyond, uh, and you'll be basically to the 16-month mark if you take it all the way to October of, of 2020, that that extra rest and ability to ramp things up from there is far more beneficial and that, that he's so skilled and and." and it would be much easier for him to, to be able to deal with it. It's very
1: intriguing to think about what the team could look like next year, right? I mean, there are a lot of questions, a lot of potential options, but we don't know how much interest there's going to be in D'Angelo Russell. We don't know where that uh, pick is going to fall, but it's a lot of fun to, to dream a little bit about what the Warriors could look like next year. Steph and Clay coming back, and I can't wait to see a Steph come back this year. That doesn't seem out of the question that we might see him We might see him next month.
2: Yeah, it's starting to...
1: I know that's not what they said. They said March.
2: I know, and Steve Kerr said March, and and we'll have to see. Uh, But it it looks like, and I know we had Anthony Slater on Sunday, and he said maybe that first game out of the All-Star break. The Warriors actually do, and and the one thing that Slater pointed out, and it it does make a lot of sense, coming out of the All-Star break, the Warriors have the, the Rockets here right out of the break in a nationally televised game. Then the Pelicans are here. Sacramento is here. The Lakers are here, so they have five or four, five home games right out of the shoot. Uh, in or four home games right out of the shoot, out of the All Star break, here with a couple of high-level, you know, high-profile opponents in the Lakers
1: and and the Rockets. Mm -hmm. And speaking of uh, players coming back, Marquise Chris should be back soon. And we forgot to mention that, uh, you know, Marquise Chris' stock is pretty popular these days as well.
2: Yeah, no, it it definitely is. So we'll be interested to see how all of that plays out. We'll hear more from Clay Thompson coming up here. uh, And also, we'll have the call of the game. Warriors lose tonight to the Mavs, one twenty-four ninety-seven. right here on 95.7 The Game.
1: Now, back to Warriors
3: Wrap-Up on 95.7 The Game. It's really cool. I mean, we've been through a lot of highs together, a lot of lows. You know, played at the highest level of the game as far as NBA Finals and in international competition. He's been my longest-tenured teammate, so I appreciate him coming. One day, maybe I'll make it out to Davidson, too, if he got to go get that degree first, though. So he's got some work to do. Klay Thompson
2: uh, talking about Stephen Curry, who's going to make the trip up to Pullman. Which is very cool. And the Warriors have a a long, very cool history of of players in this championship era supporting each other on nights like Klay Thompson is having on Saturday, where his jersey's going to be retired. Everybody went to
1: see Draymond get his jersey retired, right? Yeah. Just about everybody, Yeah, so it seemed. Yeah, just about everybody.
2: So very cool there, and a very cool night for Clay. Uh, as he met with reporters uh, here at Chase Center uh, at halftime uh, of the ball game uh, tonight, uh, doesn't sound like we're going to see him this year, in your mind? No, I wouldn't on... think so. I
1: just don't see how the the upside uh, outweighs the risk involved. What's the point?
2: Yeah, and I'm I, I may tonight may be a turning point as far as I'm concerned, as far as maybe coming around to that. I'd view. love to see
1: it. Yeah, I just think it's unlikely. A,
2: a little bit. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero triple eight nine five seven nine five seven zero. The Warriors fall to the Mavs one twenty four to ninety seven. So they're swept in the season series by the Mavs for the first time in seventeen years. Wow! Got to go all the way back to two thousand three. Uh, the last time the 0-2-0-3 season, the last time the Mavs swept the Warriors in a season series. They won that season series four zero. The Warriors and Mavericks playing just three times uh, this season. And, man, uh, the the games that the Warriors played head-to-head with the Mavs, they were, all three of them, just not pretty. This is a difficult a matchup, as I think we've seen the Warriors have against any team.
1: Yeah, and tonight, Doncic, he was eh, he was okay, right? He was like,
5: "Eh,
1: I thought he was better than that. Yeah, he still had 20 points and eight rebounds, only two assists, which was a surprise. They didn't need more from him tonight. But even in a really off night, he scores 20, And uh, grabs eight rebounds in a a, a one-sided win that was uh, really dictated by uh, Dallas' dominance on the boards. And the fact that uh, Dwight Powell was nine for nine tonight. Yeah. The the Warriors,
2: he was nine for nine. And I know you mentioned Boban. Boban wound up with 14
1: field goal attempts. Yeah. Uh, it, and he must have missed four or five from at least two feet Yeah, or, exactly. Or closer. And
2: he wound up with 13 and 11 in 20 minutes. And a couple of those rebounds were off of his own misses. Mm-hmm. And a couple of them he missed again.
1: You know, Moses Malone, yeah. an all-time oh, leader yeah. in offensive rebounds. Legend has it. He would miss on purpose so he could get the offensive rebound. Well, uh, Bobon
2: had had that look tonight almost. Yeah, he like had, he had was, that look.
1: Like he
2: was going to be patting the, both of the numbers, both of the columns, uh, in terms of points and trying to snag some offensive rebounds.
1: So how good is this Dallas team?
2: I think they're about what they are right now, which is 6th in the Western Conference and they're they're 25 and 15. They're actually going to reach the midway point of their season tomorrow night. They go to Sacramento tonight and they're going to take on the Kings. Believe it or not, the 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 one stain on Luka Doncic's career, I know we've we he's been so fantastic and a level better than he was even last year. And last year he was tremendous. He hasn't beat the Sacramento Kings in his career.
1: Oh, come a- on. An oddity. How can that be? That that I, It's because they get up for him because they're so embarrassed every time they play him. They, they
2: get up for him because they're embarrassed
1: that they didn't pick him. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and I think there's a little bit of pressure
2: maybe on some of their other players to perform at a high level. Uh, going up
1: against him because he is. I think they tell him, if you guys don't win tonight, you're all going to Stockton. Turned, into, they, a, they turned into a bona fide star when a few of the
2: guys, and the, the Kings have had a bunch of guys picked that, that haven't reached that level. And here's Doncic in, in year number two, and he's already vastly ahead of... of any number of four or five different players that they expected big things from, but yeah, an oddity there. Uh, for as dominant as they've been against the Warriors, he hasn't he hasn't hmm. beat them in his in his career.
1: Here's another oddity, and I know Jim Barnett touched on this uh, on Warriors Live with us. Dallas is, as you say, they're six in the West. They're only uh, two and a half out of the fourth spot, which would be home court advantage in the first round, right? But at home, they're twelve and ten. So you'd think, oh, it's vitally important they get home court, and I'm sure they'd much rather have home court. But they're only 12 and 10 at home this year. That's yeah. very strange.
2: Yeah, and they have some bad losses. I know that you you laid out a number of the, the loss to the Knicks, loss to the, the Kings, Just <laughs> or, lost to Charlotte at home, lost to Charlotte at home. I think this is what they are, though. When you when you look at the standings, uh, I think they are not better than any of the teams that currently are in front of them. Are they better than the Lakers? No. Are they better than Utah? No. Are they better than Denver? No. Are they better than the Clippers? No. Are they better than the Rockets? No. Uh, To me, they're right there with Oklahoma City as far as, you know, and and I I think I'm surprised by Oklahoma City uh, as well as they've played, but uh, the Mavs right now, regardless of what happens tomorrow, are going to be on pace to win 50 games. At the halfway part.
1: yeah, park. and we still have the trade deadline coming up. What if the Mavs were to land, say, Andre Iguodala?
2: I think they as some need, have speculated. They need, I think, one more piece. I'm not sure what that piece is, and to breach and and I, Iguodala wouldn't do it as far as you know vaulting them, let's say, to the top of the the conference. I think they're one player away,
1: and yeah, I think he would help them he a would help. lot because. You know, it doesn't always work this way. You don't always get a good defender, and then yeah. you're a better defensive team. But obviously, that's the area in which they need to improve. Well,
2: and he's one of the few players that I think he actually could help that.
1: I it, do, too. But,
2: but you also have to wonder, how much is Iguadala really going to you know, be able to... Can he do that still if he's only playing, let's say, 24 minutes a game? Or is he going to be so fresh from sitting out uh, that it, would, it will amount to probably nine months by the time he plays... Is he going to be so fresh that he will be able to play maybe more minutes just over a shorter span of games?
1: Yeah, um, boy, and no poor Zingas tonight. in Dallas really didn't miss him, did they? No,
2: did not. And that would have been another guy with a big time, You know, another big they they can. Although they don't post him up. I know right. We've, we've had that conversation at different points, uh, but but another big that that is very skilled and skilled bigs have given. Uh, the Warriors' problems. Let's go ahead and get to the call of the game.
1: It's time for the call of the game, brought to you by Metro by T-Mobile.
2: Russell with two on the clock, feeds Pascal down the lane to the rim, layup, Dumped oh. it. In! He dumped it right before the shot clock buzzer expired.
1: Talk about sneaky hops! Ooh. Wow.
2: <laughs> All right, know the call of the game tomorrow. Right here on 95.7 The Game. Tune in to Jolo and Dibs at 9.30. And if you can correctly identify the call we just played, you will win $100 to Schroeder's Restaurant at 240 Front Street in San Francisco. The call of the game is brought to you by Metro by T-Mobile. The best deal in wireless. John Dickinson and Whitey Gleason inside Chase Center. Warriors wrap-up brought to you by Realtor.com. The home of home search where the Warriors lose tonight to the Mavs, 124-97, to game one of a three-game homestand in a stretch of five of six uh, at Chase Center with the trip up to Portland sandwiched in between uh, there on Monday. Uh, one of the bright spots tonight for the Warriors was, in fact, Jordan Poole, 17 points in 28 minutes. He knocked down three three-pointers. Let's hear from Jordan Poole as he met with the media downstairs.
3: Jordan, Steve mentioned just setting little goals every day and achieving them. Will, will keeping things small in perspective and perspective and manageable help you guys um, get through some losses?
5: Um, I would think so. Uh, just like you said, having little goals and um, focusing on short-term stuff. When you kind of really just dive into that and, and really just you know focus on that, I think everything else will take care of itself uh, down the line. Um,
3: Steve said you were playing freer. Is, do you see any difference in your approach since, I don't know, when you were energy League versus now?
5: Uh, no, not really. Um, Coach Mike Brown just, just, you know, just told me if I'm open, shoot it. Um, and it's kind of been a game changer uh, a couple of games ago, but, you know, I'm also getting more opportunity and um, I feel more comfortable, so. What
3: are the main points the coaches are having everybody go through in practice and uh, on defense? And how do you feel like the defense has been lately?
5: Um, I mean, it's a really good league, of course, and everybody's good. Um, I mean, we focus on a lot of stuff. Um, it depends on the team, but just trying to get back to the basics and, um, communicate. I think communication will make things a lot easier, but, um... Just being able just to get back and really try to learn and look at the little stuff, I, I think it'll help us a lot, but um, you know, every 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 team's a good team and um, every every is different. So we just kinda gotta adjust.
3: Uh, whenever I've asked you about, you know, your shooting or whatever, you've always pointed to Steph and said he never, you know, wavers when he's missing shots. But mm-hmm. you had a moment with him when you hit your uh, had the four point play and you counted the four and pointed at him. Mm-hmm. What was that moment
5: like? Um it was cool. I was pointing at Glenn, actually, because Glenn thought it was funny that I did it last game. Um, but, you know, those two guys, him and Clay. Clay told me in the Clippers game, man, just all of them look good. Just keep shooting them. So, like I said, um, a countless number of times when you got the two greatest shooters in NBA history telling you to keep shooting the ball, I don't I don't think that that's normal. So just being able just to uh, embrace that and, and, and really appreciate that, um, it gives you a, a different sense of urgency and appreciation.
4: Hey Jordan, watching you play, you just seem to have more confidence. I don't know if it's a um, you know, noticeable for everybody else, but I just noticed the way you carry yourself. What what turned it for you? Or was there a period where you, you know, a couple of weeks or maybe spending some time just working on things? Was there any one thing? Because you seem like, like you have a lot more confidence out there just watching you. I mean, you talked about this a little bit, but I'm just curious.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think confidence is a thing at all. Um, I feel like my confidence has been the same. It's just opportunity, you know, being open or being able to to get a shot or be in a situation where you feel comfortable shooting it. I don't think confidence has been a thing. Um, I just continue to keep doing the same thing that I've been doing. And um, I haven't changed anything from the beginning of the season Um, You know, it's a long season. We're, what, 40 games in? So, um, you know, things happen. You know, we got people in the league shooting 50%, then you got people shooting 20%, 30%. You know, um, everybody's different. Um, You can't set your standards based on anybody else, but I'm just doing the same thing I've been doing, and, you know, shots are starting to fall, and, um, you know, I had a good stretch of games and just try to keep it going. Uh, My teammates are putting me in really good situations and opportunities, and I'm just trying to take advantage of it.
2: Good night for Jordan Poole. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I, I think he looks a little bit more confident. Uh, look, he's a confident player coming in. But to me, he, he looks more confident than where his game had gotten to before he was sent down. And even even really before he was sent down. But when the Warriors said they were going to send him down and then didn't send him down. I think that put him in a little bit of a an unfair limbo there for a couple of weeks where, where his game really suffered maybe a little bit for it. Uh, but since he's come back, I think you've seen a slow build toward not only the confidence that he had coming into the league, but I think maybe even up a tick where it's not, like I said earlier, just the confidence in I'm going to take the shot, but the confidence in I'm going to make the shot. So I I think it's all a really, really good sign. And I think based on nights like tonight, I think you you have to be happy with the way the Warriors have actually handled it.
1: All I think, yeah. I, I know Steve Kirst talked about how, yeah, he's working hard and it's coming around. I think it has to be a huge relief for the Warriors to this point. The the scariest thing watching Jordan Poole earlier this year, it wasn't when he missed shots. And he missed sometimes a lot of shots and he missed them badly. But the scariest thing was when he stopped taking shots. That was the really discouraging sign. So he's gotten over that hump. I was going to ask you, John Dickinson, uh, tonight on the post game, Tim Roy had a player of the game and his was. Uh, uh, Dwight Powell for the Mavericks, pardon me. Uh, Tom Tolbert said Smiley like each. And then RC picked Boba and Marjanovic. So if you had to pick a player of the game tonight, any which way you wanted to slice it, for whatever reason, who would be your player of the game tonight? I would probably
2: lean Dwight Powell, but I'm going to give a nod to Maxi Kleba.
1: Maxi Kleba. Uh, yeah. Plus
2: 29. He was a game high plus plus. Twenty-nine,
1: and I would go with Eric Pascal. sixteen points on seven of eleven shots tonight.
2: Yeah, if I was, yeah, if you're gonna pick a Warrior, it would be Pascal for me as well. But yeah, I would go overall, Dwight Powell or Maxi Kleber. Maxi Kleber,
1: yeah, that's good. Final thoughts? Uh, it's just interesting how many outstanding German professionals have played for the Mavericks: Maxi Kleber and uh, Dirk Nowitzki, and of course Uwe Blab, former Warrior. Well. Yeah, yeah, in fact, that's true as well.
2: <laughs> nuggets in here on Thursday. Whitey, any... Uh, I any... just brought you some Nuggets right there. Some on... Dallas Mavericks German Nuggets. The Nuggets are, are one of those teams that at times have felt like they're a little underwhelming, but they're 27-12, and 12 and they're right there within a half game of the second seed uh, in the Western Conference. you got Utah all the way up at 2 now, at 28-12. and 12. Jokic
1: uh, is like a large reptile where sometimes you're not even sure, and you have to poke him. Is he awake? And then when he is awake, whoa, my look goodness, out.
2: he's capable of a lot of damage. Yeah, we were talking about skilled bigs. we well, got Jokic coming in here, and then you've got Vucevic coming in here mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, on Saturday night with Orlando. Marquise
1: Chris, we need
2: you. Got a lot of length on that Orlando team. All right, that's going to do it for us. I uh, want to thank uh, Tim Jordan for setting us up out here at Chase Center for Alex Scott and Ryan Mouser. Uh, for Whitey Gleason, I'm John Dickinson. Uh, we will be back with you on Thursday, 6 o'clock, right here on ninety five seven. The Game, as the Warriors will take on the Denver Nuggets. That's going to do it. Uh, Mavs beat the Dubs tonight, 124-97. to You heard it right here on your Home of the Warriors, 95.7 The Game. Good night.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.